You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Fine tune alocha. Interesting question. We talked about Sephardim and Ashkenazim before, and we talked about mixing the two. Um, we know that when it comes to schools, especially, um, people go to the best school that they can go to. And many times those schools have within them people of different adult. You have Sephardi girls going to Ashkenazi schools. So the Menalim of the Ashkenazi school asked the following question. Um, they knew that in the Ashkenazi world that there has been this idea that they go in Davin Shachrit and Mincha. And by the Sephardi poskim, they do not have this kapeda that the girls should daven mincha. So now we have these Sephardi girls that are learning in the school. We find that the girls really are into davening mincha. And we find that mincha is actually stronger in these schools than shachris. Because shachris, they sort of get in the habit. They've been doing that since they were little kids. So even though they come from a community where they don't expect the girls to daven mincha, um, they are finding that mincha has been a very good educational thing and the and the girls daven with kavana. So look what Rabbi Viner says. It's hard for me to answer this question. When you talk about chinuch, what does that mean? You have girls that you are uh, um, training, teaching. They're not just being trained for the four years that they're in your high school. You're giving them a background for life. And you've got to be careful not to assume that you can expect too much from them. Because if you're going to train them, and say, this is the way we fulfill the mitzvah of davening. And we're going to say that a girl should daven mincha as well. What's going to happen? What's going to happen is you're giving them such an extreme version. that even though now it seems to be well, there's going to be times that they won't be able to fulfill this. And they're going to feel that they have not fulfilled their mitzvahs and they're going to perhaps stop davening altogether. So it's true. When a girl is in high school, when things are in a way hopefully easy for them, they don't have the tirdas and other things and the people around them, are they're all into it and they're all part of the same um, society. So it seems like this is the right thing. But you don't realize that by 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 
packing so much into a certain a, a type of chinuch system, Rabbi Avinir says, you're 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 going to be careening towards a breakdown after they leave school, because they're going to be in their future adult life. They won't be able to do this, and when they won't daven minuchah and they won't be able to do that, they'll feel a sense that they that they've that they have failed. And what might happen is is they might not end up davening at all. So what you need to do, he says, im no minimum. Talk about what the minimum mitzvah is. And that's something which you should try as much to do. And then teach them that this is the minimum and there are people that do more. And you should say there's a way to do it even in a better way, but it's not that everybody has to. And tell them that they are, that they get extra points. So then he says, if you do it that way, so then you know that as they get older and as they find themselves in the real world, they'll remember those sta- that those states and they'll realize, okay, at least I can daven chakras, or at least I can daven uh, a minimal short feel in the morning or whatever it is. And this way, there will at least be Makayim that mitzvah, even according to the Rambam of davening once a day. Whereas if you do too much, what you might be doing is is setting them setting them up for a fall. That's one psak from Rabbi Vinayar, which I think is interesting. Um, we have another psak here. Um, we talk about saying tilim for someone in the yeshiva. Um, so the question was, you know, we're saying mizmari tilim. Now, the truth is, is that. Um, in many of the shuls, they say, you know, the same kapitlach that people know, whether it's kuf lamid or kuf chafalif or chaf, you know, yanach biyom tzara. So all of those are, 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 are kapitlach that people pretty much know what they mean. But sometimes in the yeshivot, they actually start saying kapitlach that people don't know. And uh, either it has to do with the name of the chola or, you know, based on segulot and sodot. So people that don't study Tehillim don't really know what the words mean. So the person asked Rabbi Viner, I don't understand what I'm saying. So how can it be that if I read these words, I'm, I don't know what I'm saying. How can that really save the life of the person? If you don't really know what you're saying. So Rabbi Viner essentially agrees. Let's see what he says. He says, look, the Rashba does write. That let's say you're davening and, and, and you don't really understand the words. You still get kavana, the Rashba says, because you know that you're standing in front of God and you want to daven to God. You're not sure exactly what words you're saying, but you know that God is responsible for everything. And there are many people who daven that way. They're not sure what the words mean exactly, but they realize that they are trying to stand in front of God and direct their mind to him. The Rashba even writes that if that wouldn't be true, and even though, well, let's say it even better. There are people that know what the words mean, but because they're, because they are like um, distracted or something, they're not concentrating on the words they're saying. 
The Rashba says if that, if, if, if at, at least the minimum knowledge you're standing in front of God and you're directing a prayer towards the powerful being who knows everything, that's good enough for, that has to be good enough for Kavana. Because if you really need to concentrate to know what you're saying, the Rashba says there will only be one or two people in the generation. I mean, it's a, it's a strong statement. It would be davening correctly. So Rabbi Viner wants to say, yes, Kavana is important, but even though you don't know what the words in Tilim mean, Yeshlo Kavana Klois Shel you know that you're praising God. You know that these words are what David HaMelech wrote that represent a praise of Hashem. So that's also, Rabbi Viner says, is like a Shmon Esrei, where at least you know you're standing and praising to God. But of course, you should try to know what you're saying. Now, today, again, you have Tehillims that have... Um, interlinear translation, uh, if you have it. So it is very easy to be able to say it and understand what you're saying. Uh, I have to tell you, Shoma Zaman Eurbach um, feels that it's not about being Meshabeach Hashem when you're saying Tilim for somebody that's ill. It's about learning the, the ideas, and it's like, a, it's like a learning Torah experience, but it's like learning psukim of David HaMelech. But you really have to learn them, and you really do need to know what you're saying. Um, that would be the best way to do it. So I, I'm sure Rav Aviner would be moded that that was, is the best. He's trying to really give an Eitzah uh, to the yeshivos where you know they just say Tehillim, and people don't necessarily understand what they're saying. I do believe, again, I'm just saying that I think it's important that 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 we realize why is it that Tilim helps the Chola? So Shlomo Zalman says it's because you've learned Torah. You've learned a new idea for the sake of that person that you wouldn't have learned otherwise. You're not just begging God to please save the life of that person. Because then you could do that in Shlomo Esrei. That's why, why is, oh, we're going to say Tilim for this person. What, is, what does that mean? You're saying Tilim for him. I mean, we have in Shemayin Esrei, we could say Misha Beirach, but what is doing Tilim? What is saying Tilim is going to be, why is that a schus? So Rav Aviner seems to say, because you're being Misha Hashem, that maybe you wouldn't have done otherwise. So the person has a schus because now God has more praise in the world. Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach really explain this in a number of places that it means that we're learning a special type of Torah that, that it emotionally changes you. So it's about the ideas that you've learned and understand and you take into yourself. And you're doing that because of the person that's ill, that generates a schuz for that person. Um, speaking about people not having kavana. Uh, there are people that asked Rabbi, the person asked Rabbi Vinay the following question. Um, I say Kriyashmal Amita, and it's so late at night when I'm saying it that I can't concentrate. And I'm so tired. So maybe, you know, I should say it earlier before I get so tired. What should I, what should I do? 
right. I don't know if like, hopefully everybody here, you know, understands this idea of saying Kriya Shema Lamita. It is an important thing. It is brought in halacha. Um, but many times people, you know, exhaust themselves to the point that that they hardly have any kavana by the time they by the time they they go down to sleep. So let's see what he says. I'll call upon him. At ifa ma'od. Sounds like a girl was asking him the question. If you are so tired. Let's see. So basically what you should do is, is in other words, you should say Kriyashma, do a shortened version. Now, you could say, even though the Shulchan Aruch talks about that, Shulchan Aruch talks about someone who is a chola, the chole can get by with just saying the parsha rishona alamita and and the hamapil, but lechora being tired doesn't sound like an excuse because everybody is naturally tired at night. But because this was a woman who was asking him, and there are p- opinions that say that the the din of saying kriyashma before you go to sleep at night was never instituted for women. There are poskim that say that. The Mishnah Brewer says they are archive, but there are achronim who hold they're not. So since it was a girl who was asking, and she's tired, so he gave us a psak for her to just say the the first parsha of Shema and Amapil. But he doesn't like the Eitzah of saying it before, right before you go to sleep. So you really have a shortened version. Now, would Rebel, would, would, um, would Raviner say this for a man? Sounds like that would not be the case. But, um, yeah. Um, Ravaviner was, is a very prolific writer. And um, Ravaviner was asked about smoking. And uh, if it's if it's halachically you're allowed to smoke, is it something that will uh, result in uh, giving you cancer? Can you make a? Is it something you should do? So Rabbi Viner had written uh, in uh, a psak halacha that he wrote, and maybe he would change it now. But he wrote in 1985. He says it might be mutter la'ashen kamut ktana shel cigariot. Because the amount you're smoking is very minimal in terms of the chances that it could cause cancer. So I'm not sure whether it's one cigarette a week or one a day. I, I don't know. But it, it, in other words, it's, it's, it's where cigarettes lead to cancer is in the, um, the addiction to cigarettes and the people who smoke a pack a day or something like that. But I guess smoking one cigarette you know, a day or whatever was not necessarily shown uh, a, a connection uh, to to lung cancer. I don't know if what I'm saying is correct, but uh, you know, maybe people out there can can um, correct me on this. But I think that's what he's referring to, that there is a uh, that it's not all that there is a limit. There's a minimal cigarette smoking that might be all right. Um and that is what Rav Avinir wrote a number of times, that it wouldn't be Osra al-Pi al-Locha. 
The question was, okay, I'm not going to smoke a lot. I'm going to take your advice and smoke a small amount so I shouldn't endanger myself. Is there a bracha connected to smoking? Now, no, not on the smoking itself. But what about the fact that the great smell of the tobacco before you light it, um, like with a pipe, and, you know, there's especially, there's, um, um, I don't know if they're called filtered cigarettes, there's like cigarettes that have a, have a, have a mint smell to them, right, when you, before, when you light them. He says, I'm talking about once a week. Well, or one... There is a bracha for a smoking cigarette. Baruch mefager tipshim. Yeah, okay. But again, it's only once a month, once a week. Um, and we, again, the doctors will say it's okay. It's not called a Dover Osur because it's only once a week. It's not like it's going to kill you. But why don't you make a bracha on the tobacco? The tobacco smell, especially if it's one of these scented cigarettes, should you make like a, a mine besamim on that? And you enjoy it when you smell it. So, Moshe, if it's true that in a minimal amount, that it's it's not dangerous, but it's giving you enjoyment, and it's a plant that was grown, and it was cultivated in a way that when you uh, set it on fire, it gives you a good smell, maybe you should make a bracha. So, um, Rav Avinir says, first I want to give you a Yishkoyach. The truth is, this is an old question. The Mogan Avram himself was not sure. He knew about tobacco. And he said, is tobacco like you're breathing it in? It's like you're, like you're eating it and then expunging it? Is it like you're taking it into your system? And then there is no bracha because you haven't really consumed a food? Or is the main thing that occurs, even though you are taking it into your system, is the smoke and the smell that surrounds you. The Mogan Avram writes, Tzorachian, Idomi l'toi mipolet, she'enu tzorach bracha, o dilma doma l'reach, she'tzorach l'varech. So, l'chora, the Mogan Avram says, if you say it's like reach, it might even be better than smelling. Because there's people who feel satisfied when they smoke, so their body in, gets some sort of satisfaction from it. There's people who could smoke a, a, a pipe or something, and they feel full afterwards. So the Mogan Avram is Mesupik, that they should maybe make a brocha on the smell. Rabbi Yaakov Emden dealt with this situation in the 18th century, and he said, I, I don't understand the Mogan Avram. He didn't seem to be thinking clearly about smoking a pipe or a cigarette. He thought this bringing in the tobacco, this uh, inhaling of the tobacco is like eating. It's not eating. It's not, he says, um, do you really think that the, the, the palate or, 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 or your kishkas get anything from it? Um, it's true, it does have an effect in a way um, 
he thought, Rabbi Yaakov, and then before the uh, Surgeon General, in a way, it sort of like empties your system. Um, it could somehow, people thought it was good for um, digestion. Um, but it's it's sort of like a refuah. And we know that if you take a, a medicine, that you get no enjoyment from the actual medicine, you'll make a bracha. And even if you want to say you really are enjoying the smoking, he says, um, the truth is when you start to smoke, Rabbi Yaakov Emden says, you don't like it. The reason why you start to like it is because you become sort of addicted to it. Um, a person who starts smoking the first time, he isn't going to all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, it's, it's it's a habit you have to get used to. So therefore, it's only shava hergel or a gilimba. So it doesn't really count as a real hanoah, like a, something you take into your system. And again, it's a, it's a slippery slope this far as people who hate broccoli the first time they eat it. <laughs> but eventually they love broccoli and kale, right? So, but this is what he says, smoking, even though people will swear how, how, how they like it, it's only because they got used to doing it. Um, now, so Rabbi Yaakov Emden felt clearly you should not make a bracha over uh, the smoking of the cigarette of, 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 uh, in any way. However, one of the gedolei ador of that period of the next generation, Rav Mordechai Benet, says um, everybody is smoking cigars or, or pipes. What you should do is, if you're planning on, you should drink water and make a brach on the water and say that that should uh, potter, if you need to, the tobacco, the smoking of the pipe you're going to do. Um, the Chassam Sofer's son, the Chassam Sofer says, that if you're going to say that there is some sort of hanah, then what about the bracha chrona? Maybe, maybe that's called a hanoah in terms of your system. Maybe you need a bracha chrona too. Even, uh, but if some of them you don't make a bracha chrona. But maybe if the Mogan Avram is right and you're going to be machmer on drinking water before, maybe you should do something. Should you should drink enough water that you make a bracha chrona? So now, even though there were very important postgame like. Um, Rav Mordechai Banet and the Ksav Sofer who wrote this, um, most of the acronyms say there's no brach at all, as does the Mishnah Baruch. Um, now, what about the smelling? So, uh, Rav, Rav Avinir quotes the Rabbi Yaakov Chagiz of the 17th century. Rabbi Yaakov Chagiz writes, Abaka tabako sheba aravi kornoto tutum sheshofinoto bechotem venoten letocho amocher maatsam tov lariachbo. They put a special sort of um, um, element into the tobacco to make it smell good. So the person who smells it really enjoys it. Do you make a bracha? 
So we know that when it comes to dvarim that are asur, something that creates a good smell, if it's treif, the halacha is it's not bottle. Midi delarecha of it, afil be'elafle bottle. So that sounds like a good smell, even though more of what's here is tobacco and grass and leaves, but there's something here which which permeates and creates a smell, it's not bottle. So maybe you should make a brach on that smell. So Rebekah Chag is right. That's in terms of being osir. In terms of osir, it is. If, the, if, the, if let's say it was orla or something like that, so you wouldn't be able to, to, to eat it or use it. It would be osir bahano. But in terms of bracha, it's definitely considered bottle. So even though there's a smell to it, you don't make a brach on something which isn't essentially for the smell. Essentially, it's for the grass and the leaf to be consumed and the smoke to get into the system. The smell part that they add to these cigarettes is a secondary aspect. And therefore, it's like oil that gives off a good smell. You don't make a brach on that. Um there are uh, uh, there are achronim, however, who write that the same thing we saw before. Before they would start smoking their pipes, they should find something else to make a brocha bon pervene misamim or mine besamim on, and this way they could motzi midesveka. Rabbi Yaakov Emden, though, agreed that you don't make a bracha on eating it, but Rabbi Yaakov Emden felt that if you have a tobacco that, and this is snuff tobacco, that what they do is you take some snuff and you just uh, take a little bit and you put it into your nostrils, and they would put these minibisamim in them, he says, that for sure would need a bracha. So Lachora from Yaakov Emden is right. Um, and the cigarettes that you're smoking, Alpi Halacha being mutter once a week or once a month, you would have to make a brocha, either Mine Besamim or Atze Besamim or whatever brocha you would make on any sort of uh, natural element that gives off a Reach Tov. So you would have, according to, and it sounds like our Mavinair agrees, that you would have a Birchas HaReach on these uh, on these cigarettes. Okay. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.